What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Academics Podcast. I'm your host, Justin D. Barnett. This episode is really, really good, and you are definitely going to be grateful that you tuned in to this episode because I'm sitting down with Laura Small, who is the VP Director of People at RPA. The People Department at RPA is also known as the HR Department. Now, Laura has worked at RPA for the past four and a half years. Prior to RPA, she worked in HR at Saatchi and Saatchi here in the LA office for a total of about eight and a half years between a few different positions. And she actually began her HR career at DirecTV. Now, in addition to all that, Laura is also an instructor at UCLA where she teaches elements of human resources and management. She obviously has a wealth of knowledge and offers some valuable info for those currently looking for employment, not only at RPA, but anywhere in the industry. You may wanna hit the pause button right now and grab a pen and paper, write some notes because she gives some great advice about resumes, LinkedIn, job interviews, diversity and inclusion, and a lot more. This interview took place inside Laura's office at the RPA office in Santa Monica, California. Now, really quick before we get into this episode, because this one features an RPA associate, I figured this would be the perfect time to quickly update you all on my status with the agency. If you tuned in last season, you know that I started my advertising journey at RPA last summer as an intern in the digital production department. Since last season, I actually extended my internship through the fall semester, which was great because I got a chance to continue working and learning at the agency while I was finishing up my bachelor's degree in advertising and public relations, which I finally did finish and graduated this past December at the end of the fall semester. Now, coming into 2020, I'm actually still interning at RPA. However, I've joined the strategic planning team, which I'm super excited about because this is where I've actually really wanted to be since I discovered advertising. I've just finished my first week on a new team and it's already been everything I imagined it would be and more and I'm so grateful and thankful to be a part of this team and learning from such incredibly smart individuals with such good experience and personalities and just an overall culture within the department. But enough about me, here it is, VP, Director of HR and Instructor at UCLA, Laura Small, enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Justin D. Barnett. Um, I'm really excited about this interview today. Um, I'm going to make the bold prediction that this is probably going to be the most listened to interview yet, just because from the feedback I've gotten, people are asking me questions that I honestly can't answer to and that I haven't had a chance to ask anyone about. And I finally have someone in the Department of HR that can you know, be more specific on and, and give you guys these answers that you guys are so hungry for about you know, getting into an agency and, and what it takes. So today's guest is um, Laura Small. Laura is the VP, Director of People at RPA. So, Laura, how are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. Good. Thank you for um, agreeing to, to do this interview. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah, let's jump into it. So, you're the VP Director of, R- Director of People at RPA. I am. Um, what exactly does that mean and what do you do? So, it means that I am responsible for the people function, the HR function here at the agency. And that includes all of our Santa Monica employees, which is 750 plus as well as the six field offices that we maintain um, on behalf of the agency and our clients. Um, It's everything from making sure that people get paid, uh, recruiting new people to the organization, our benefits offering, um, various employee relations issues that may come up from time to time, immigration, 
it all really falls in under that umbrella, um, which is fantastic. It's, it's a huge, huge remit, and it's something that's really important to the agency, and I'm so proud to be able to contribute. Okay, and of, of all those, those jobs that, that you mentioned, mm-hmm. I think um, I, we more so want to focus on, um, you know, the HR recruitment um, and hiring process. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of listeners will find a lot of value. Understandable. Um, but it's, it's amazing when people think of HR, at least when I think of HR, I think of um, specifically that. But yeah. there's so much more So much more in, to uh, it. Yeah. yeah. And I really view our team as uh, the cultural center of the organization, too. I think we have an obligation and um, a really almost like a sacred opportunity to make sure that we maintain the culture, that we ensure that the culture here at RPA is something that people want to be a part of. Um, and that we're authentic to what we say we're all about as an organization. That's something I take very seriously. Yeah. Um, so, okay, let's, let's stay focused on the department. So even when you're um, hiring for the HR department yeah. specifically, because a lot of this is also a department within an agency that Absolutely. people don't think of, oh, I can go into advertising and yeah. become, you know, an HR or a recruiter. Um, right. So what do you look for in an HR candidate? It's a good question, and we actually have an open position on our team right now, so I'm looking for someone right now. Um, It it boils down to, for me, being enthusiastic, um, being professional, being respectful. Um, This is an entry-level role, so I'm perfectly willing to train this person. It's really more about the other attributes that they bring rather than anything specific that they may already know about HR. Yeah. So what about education-wise? Like, what type of degree do you look for? Does the degree matter? The degree does not matter at all to me. Um, in fact, I'm open to someone who doesn't have a degree. Mm. Um, I think it's it's helpful to have been to a university. I think there are skills that you learn um, in terms of organization and how to present yourself professionally. Um, I'm an English major myself. I took a very circuitous path to HR. So I'm open to anybody who's been doing anything um, if you're organized, if you like dealing with people, um, I know that sounds like a cliche, but it, that is actually what it's all about. Yeah, okay. It's interesting you mentioned that you're not looking for, or that people don't specifically have to have the degree. Um, me, I kind of try and stay tuned with like trends and what happens in the industry, and I've noticed that over the last like two years, it's become like a big thing like with major companies like Google or something mm-hmm. where they dropped the whole um, educational requirement. Absolutely. So for the agency, is that like a new thing that you guys are trying to, to or that you guys have like implemented to where you... I don't want to say lowered the standard, but um, evolved into being more accepting. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't. For me personally, it's not a new thing. It's something that I've always felt really strongly about because I think that that sometimes there are there are always many paths to to career success, and sometimes they're non traditional ones. Um, sometimes people learn skills and um, perspectives in in life. Um, and they don't have to necessarily have attended a two-year college or a four-year college to get there. Um, I went to university. I have a BA, and I, I think that has been of benefit to me in my life. Um, but I don't think it should be an impediment to someone, particularly in, um, in entering an, an industry like advertising, whether you're doing HR or something else, because so much of what you learn, you learn when you're here. Yeah. So is that something that you just do for your department, or is there an, an educational requirement for the entire agency or for different departments? Yeah, there is, uh, at least 
by my direction, um, we, we have removed it from our job descriptions. I think in the creative field, um, often it can be of tremendous benefit to someone to have a career yeah, or excuse me, to have a degree in arts or uh, design um, because you come in with a lot of practical skills. Um, but we do have a lot of people here, and some of them very senior, who did not attend university or who attended but didn't graduate. Um, and to your point, I think so many industries are seeing that that really doesn't need to be a barrier and that in in having put it in as one, we missed out on a lot of great candidates over the years. So I'm happy to see it go away. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's stick to the subject of um, you know people applying, and I just want to touch on a few things that like always come up in class yeah. discussions, like outside of the workplace, and people who are curious about getting into the industry. Okay. One thing that in school we focused a lot on was the professors were always like, "Put this on your resume. This mm. is what they're looking for." This yeah. Is da, 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 da. And that's what we hear every class, every day. So I have questions around like, what do you guys do in your uh, when you're vetting a candidate? Yeah. Like, what's that process like? The biggest subject is like, oh, they check your social media. <laughs> How much of a factor is that? <laughs> Uh, I would say there are people who do it. Um, it may not be HR. It may be one of the hiring managers who's looking at your resume. Um, but yes, that is something you should take into consideration in this connected world. Um, in all likelihood, someone will check you out online. Sometimes it's a totally innocent, positive thing. Like they're welcoming you aboard and they want to you know, see what you're all about and maybe have your favorite snack there or something. But there are managers who, who want to do a bit of digging. Um, I personally personally don't do it because I don't feel when I hire someone that it's germane to the process. Um, I think it's a little invasive, um, but you are not incorrect that it is a very common practice. Okay, and, and what are your thoughts about people who, you know, block their social media? Is that seen as a negative, like you're trying to hide something? Or? Uh, I personally wouldn't see it as a negative because I think it's your personal business. Um, I suppose there are managers who would do that. But if they held that against you, I'd question whether you wanted to work there anyway. True. That's a good that's a good take on it. What about LinkedIn? Like what are what are what's the proper way to reach out to a recruiter mm, on LinkedIn? Good question. And I cannot overstate the importance of being on LinkedIn. Yeah. As soon as you are able, whether you're a high school student, college student, bef- even before you're a job seeker, be on the platform. Be looking around, um, have an identity there, connect with people. Um, I think it's great to reach out to recruiters on LinkedIn. My recommendation would be to find someone working in the business and connect with them instead. Um, It's all about who you know, um, this industry in particular, and I think if you can forge a connection with someone in the industry that you aspire to join, um, you're that much further ahead of the game. Recruiters get bombarded all day long. Um, if you've got someone on the inside advocating for you saying, hey, this great guy or this great woman reached out to me on LinkedIn, I think you guys should give them a look, you automatically move to the top of the pile. Yeah. But like within that, that reach out, like how should you do it? Like, like, there's so many different approaches. So, and I struggle with this myself. Like, totally. Do I say, hey, um, like do you try to casually just say hi or do you just go right in like hey, I want this position, like, what level is, is like, appropriate? Yeah, and I will, I, will, I will caveat this and say there is no one way. Um, if you are respectful and professional, you're going to be fine. To me, the best approach is to identify a common interest or something else um, with which to start the conversation, just like you would if you met someone at a party. 
Um, a sneaky way that I've recommended to candidates to do it is um, look the person up, look at their LinkedIn, see if maybe they've written an article recently, or maybe if they're a creative, they won an award, and reach out to them and say, hey, I read, I read what you wrote in Adweek, and I, I really like the point you made about such and such. You know, I'm currently a student aspiring to a career in advertising. Um, may I take a few minutes of your time for a quick phone call or coffee? Um, flattery will get you everywhere. And most people who um, work in this profession are proud to work in this profession and want to share it. Um, anytime someone reaches out to me with a, a pretty well thought out plan, I, get, I will absolutely respond. Um, and I think most people are that way. I think they want to talk about what they do and why they love it. Okay, that's some useful information. Thank yeah, you. it is hard to break through with the recruiters. Yeah. So be patient. Yeah, okay. Um, in the application process, like when reviewing applications, how important is the cover letter? Because mm. that, that's a topic that's like some people will say, oh, don't worry about a cover letter. Yeah. And some people will say, focus on the cover letter. <laughs> yeah, so. It's so frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. You get so many different stories. Um, it is very subjective, but I will say that to me, the cover letter does not matter at all. Um, when I'm recruiting for positions, and I still do, um, I don't look at the cover letter. I go immediately to the resume. Um, usually the person has emailed me their resume, so there might be a, a, a brief, you know, here's what I'm interested in or here's why I'm, I'm reaching out to you. I will, of course, read that. But if you've attached a cover letter and a resume, I'm going straight to the resume. Okay. Good enough. Good enough. Um, what about portfolios? Mm. Do you review portfolios? Like for positions that don't require a portfolio, like of course the creatives do. Um, but what about like a strategist, for, for example? If you've got one, I always want to see it. Okay. Um, Kelly Slater, who's a member of the strategy team, has a great portfolio online. And I looked at it when we hired her. And it made me know more about her and admire you know, the effort she had put into making it. Okay. Um, so let's go on to the resumes. So yeah. You open up that resume file that comes. Yep. Um, you know, what, what are some good ways candidates can make their resume stand out? It's a great question because I will tell you, I wish it weren't this way, most recruiters will spend an average of three to six seconds with your resume yeah. before they move on to the next one. So your opportunity to catch their attention is brief. Um, that's why having a connection really helps um, because most of the positions we have posted online, our recruiters see any, anywhere from 50 to 200 applicants. So they're going fast. So your resume should be very clean. It should um, make it very clear what your name is, what you're looking for. Um, it, it, if it can inject some elements of your personality, that's always going to get you further. So it's okay to be a little silly or to have a sense of humor. Um, you don't want to hit someone over the head with something like that. But if you can catch their attention in a way that is relevant to you and what you bring, you should do it. Um, I'll never forget a resume I got several years ago from a woman who really felt like Hello Kitty was the secret to the universe. Mm -hmm. She was passionate about Hello Kitty. Mm -hmm. She put that in there, and I was like, wow, that's interesting. I want to learn more about you. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it was kind of a silly thing. Yeah. Um, I saw a resume last year that had a really cool infographic about the person and their interests. That caught my attention. I spent more time looking at that one. Um, so think about what it is that makes you unique and see if there's a way to bring that in that feels authentic. Okay, interesting that you say that because, you know, we also question, like, the whole picture on a resume thing. Don't put your picture on. Don't put your picture Don't on. Don't put your resume. picture on. Okay. 
The other thing I am lukewarm on, I get why people do them, but I don't think you need an objective on your resume. That's my next <laughs> um, I get that you want a job. That's probably your objective. Um, if you're applying for a strategy job, you your objective is probably to get a strategy job. So use that space to say something else. Okay. Great advice. Um, also things that are... I don't, I, won't, I don't know if there are rumors, or not rumors, um, things that are said about, you know, the application process is like when you submit an application, there's some sort of AI program <laughs> scanning your resume. <laughs> is, this, is this true? So it is not true at RPA. We actually look at every resume with human eyes. Okay. Um, larger entities, um, particularly agency holding companies, they do use that. Um, I have never been a fan of it, even when I was an HR director at a holding company, because you're going to miss someone. You're going to miss someone. You're going to miss a great candidate because you didn't take the time to look with your own eyes at someone's resume that they worked hard to prepare. So I hope that goes away in the future, but yeah, it exists. Okay. I recently read an article on LinkedIn that said um, 80% of people find employment through somebody in their personal network. Is that true, like here at the agency? Do you guys place a higher, um, you know, preference on people referring people? I wouldn't say we place a higher preference. I will say it will um, ensure that you get seen. Um, We never hire someone just because they were referred, um, but when you're trying to stand out and you're applying for something and maybe hundreds of other people are as well, it does help if you have someone who can speak on your behalf. Okay. All right, let's move on to um, the actual interview process. Yeah. Well, at least here at RPA. The biggest thing that I stressed about in my initial interview was, what what do I wear? (laughs) That's the number one question I get. So, like, what's overdressing? (laughs) You'll ask 10 people and you'll get 10 different answers. But here's what I would say. Um, Dress in a way that makes you feel like you're putting your best foot forward. So for some people, that's going to mean a coat and tie. That's going to mean that's how they define being being their best self. Um, I've interviewed people and given people jobs who wore baseball caps to interviews. People um, do that. <laughs> people do that. Believe it or not, you had to be creative. Right? Had to be a creative. <laughs> you knew it. Um, I I don't think there's such a thing as overdressing for an interview, but in advertising, I would be very careful about that. Um, my favorite story I heard of a of a certain agency that will go unnamed, but they have a a big um, software uh, brand. Um, they did not give a job to someone who showed up in a suit and tie because they felt that meant the person didn't understand the culture of their company. Mm-hmm. I don't agree. To me, dressing up shows that you respect the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but but do some do some digging. Um, it's totally okay to ask the recruiter. What you should wear, we expect that question. Um, we'll answer it as honestly as we can. Um, that sometimes helps. Um, but honestly, if you feel comfortable and confident, you'll be fine. What about arrival time? Is, yeah, what's your take on arrival time? <laughs> I'm one of those people who considers on time to be late for myself. So I like it when someone's there a couple minutes early. Um, here at RPA, the reception team will call up and let us know that someone's arrived. If they're early, typically what I'll say is, great, tell her I'll be down in five minutes. Um, I'm going to take a minute with you when you arrive to chat with you, to get you comfortable, to get you something to drink. So it is nice for you to be there a couple minutes early because then we're not rushing you into the room where the manager is waiting. Yeah. 
So I know you also, you know, had some stints at Saatchi and Saatchi. I did. In the same department. Yeah. And also in another department. I yeah, I yeah. I started on the business side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the question is, do you find that, like, the hiring practices here that you've put in place at RPA, are they very similar to Saatchi, or does it, like, really depend on what agency you're at? It can vary. Um, most of us know each other. Most of us have known each other for a long time, and most of us do things in a similar way. Um, you can always ask a recruiter at the beginning of the process what the process is like, um, because it can vary, not even just from agency to agency, but from manager to manager. So I always actually really like it when an applicant says to me, may I ask what the next steps are in the process? And then I'll say, oh, well, you're going to come in, you're going to meet with so-and-so. If that goes well, you're going to meet with this group of people. Because I always like to know what's next, and candidates do too. Yeah. Um, What's what's the... uh so I know what I went through to get here, and it, was, it took three interviews. It started with the phone screening. Yeah. The, so, like, what's is there like a um, a process that everyone, every department follows, or every hiring manager follows? Like, do you have to do a certain set of interviews, or how does how does it work here? There is no standard. Although, let me stop and say that you went through a very grueling process, and that we get hundreds of candidates. And that the fact that you made it through that process speaks very highly of you. Um, but there is no standard. Um, typically, you're on the phone with the recruiter because we want to get a sense of you before we put you forward to a manager. Some managers will want to go straight into a, an in-person interview. I have managers here who like to meet people for coffee. Um, I have managers that won't meet in person until they've gotten on the phone. Um, I have one manager who, um, with higher-level candidates, will do a full day of interviews, including a, an actual presentation by the candidate. That's pretty unique, and particularly at the entry level, I don't think you'd see that. Um, but, yeah, it, it really depends. Depends on the person, depends on the manager. Okay. I, I actually interviewed someone who told me that her interview process was like 13 interviews. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. yeah. exhausting. To me, that's inappropriate yeah. to ask of the person um, because... Whether you're a student or a working professional, you have a life, and that's a lot of time to devote to the process. Um, I really feel like we should get it in two. We could bring you in once and then one more time, maybe to meet someone very senior or meet someone who wasn't available the first time. I don't like to bring someone back a third time. I just think it's rude. Okay. So there are, uh, today in 2020, there are like so many different ways to apply for a job. Yeah. You know, there's the LinkedIn way. There's the company website. Yep. Um, there's, I don't know if people still walk in and physically hand in. Hardly ever, but it happens. Yeah. Is there a, a preferred way that, that you like to um, look at your, your candidates, or do they all get filtered to the same exact place? Mm, great question. Um, I am really open to receiving your resume any number of ways. Um, so many of our applicants these days are people we're approaching as well, and LinkedIn is a very common place for that interaction. So, yeah, find me on LinkedIn, send me your resume, great, I'd love to have it. Um, the company portal is always a safe bet um, because then you know it's it's in that repository. Um, but again, there, there's going to be a lot of other noise. So if you can get to me another way, for me personally, I'm totally good with that. Okay. So let's say a person comes in, they yep. go through their interview process, yep. they're like, okay, this is my third interview. How long do they wait to follow up? Ooh, good question. I'm always okay with professional follow-up. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't heard from me, in a, and I'll say this to candidates, if you haven't heard from me in a day or two, feel free to shoot me an email. Okay. Um, some managers, not recruiters, but managers, 
um, don't like to receive multiple follow-ups from candidates, um, but it's totally okay um, when you're sending your thank you note, and you should always send a thank you note. Let me take that moment. Um, to ask the manager, you know, what would be a good time to follow up with you? Um, we want to move the process forward, too. Um, so as much as it seems like it's taking forever, um, that's not on purpose. That's not designed to make you stress. Um, but it's okay to follow up and ask what's going on. Okay. So let's say someone is looking at a job description. They're interested in a job here at RPA. Yeah. Let's say they're entry level. So how qualified for position should a candidate be for them to apply? Meaning, let's say they check eight of the ten boxes. Um, is that qualified? Are they qualified, or should the person check ten out of ten? Oh, um, my answer is you probably have to be less qualified than you think. Um, a job description is sort of like a shopping list, and maybe there's someone out there that checks every single box. I've recruited thousands of people in my career, and I have yet to find that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of interesting research out there, too, that says that men are more likely to apply for a job for which they're only partially qualified, but women never do. It's like um, <laughs> Right. Yeah. So all of you women out there, don't do it. If, if you see something you like, if you think you have something unique to bring to it, apply for the position. I don't expect you to have every single quality. Yeah. Now, you you call someone and you say, hey, um, congratulations, you got, you got your job. Yep. This is how much you make. Okay. You will make. Yep. For an entry-level person, is it appropriate to try and negotiate a salary, and how? what's the proper way to go about doing that? It's always appropriate to negotiate, provided you're doing it in a professional way. This is your one opportunity to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Depending on the job, it may be a year before you're considered for an increase, so you owe it to yourself to have that conversation at the outset. Uh, a California law was passed about a year ago now that prohibits recruiters from asking you what you currently make. Um, if you're an entry level, you might not have that, but you should find out what's appropriate for the role, and then you should negotiate around that. It is totally acceptable to ask in one of the first calls with the recruiter how much the position pays mm. or what the range is. Um, if they won't share it with you, that's a bit of a red flag. Okay. So you should go into that final call where they say, we'd like to offer you this position, pretty much knowing what that number is. And try, if you can, not to commit to your number. And I know that sounds sneaky, and maybe my HR friends out there will hate me, but the person who says the number first loses. Yeah. <laughs> so if a recruiter says to you, what kind of salary expectations do you have? It's totally okay to say, may I ask what the position is currently um, expected to pay? Yeah. And try to get them to go first. Um, and then in that conversation, so you're getting the offer, you're so excited, it's so tempting, not just as an entry level, but at any level, to say, yes, I accept. Um, of course, you want to show enthusiasm. You want them to know how much you appreciate the offer. But it's totally okay to, to ask for time. It's totally okay to say, is there an opportunity to negotiate that salary? Okay. Good advice. Yeah, yeah. And do it. I promise you, you won't regret it. I think people are afraid that the company will say, no, you may not negotiate and offer rescinded. They won't do that. Okay. If they don't have any more money, they'll say, this is all we can offer. And should you always negotiate? Yes. Keep that in mind. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
So in addition to working here at RPA, you're also an instructor at UCLA. I am, right? yeah. And you are an instructor of Elements of Human Resources and Management. Yep. So can you just talk about, like, you know, how you got into that and what you teach? Yeah. So as you pointed out earlier, I used to work on the business side of advertising. Um, I went back to school as a working professional and got a certificate in HR um, at UCLA. And um, for me, it was such an incredible way to gain an understanding of the industry, to meet industry professionals. Um, it was actually through someone in one of my classes that I got my first job in HR, so I'm very grateful for that. Um, so I obviously was aware of UCLA Extension and the programs they offer to professionals and wanted to give teaching a try. So through a connection, um, I got the name of the dean of the business school um, for Extension, and I reached out to her. Um, we had a great interview. She said, I'll let you know. I didn't hear anything for a year. And then I got offered the opportunity to teach the class, and it's just been an amazing experience. Yeah, that's good. Um, that's really interesting because, you know, I personally want to um – Obviously, like, I'm kind of passionate about um, informing people about things, yeah. which is why I do this podcast, and I've also, you know, done other entrepreneurial things in the space, um, and I eventually want to be, like, a professor. Oh, you do it. You'll you'll love it. N- not necessarily a professor, but I want to do, like, adjunct, yeah. like, guest lecturer or something I've, in that space. I've truly enjoyed it, and I look forward to, to doing it for many years to come. Yeah, yeah, I, I admire that, the fact that you're at the VP level, and you probably don't have to have a side but it's fun (laughs) that's why I do it yeah I I mean I'm the same way like I I like to do things for fun like I like to balance out my professional stuff with um, my personal stuff same totally so it's it's good to see someone here who is you know still doing things that they're passionate about Uh, even though they're at a VP level well and that's and that's my secret is the reason I do it is because I want to suck other people into HR Mm -hmm. because HR is awesome yeah now Let's talk a little bit about DNI. I yeah. know you work on DNI here at the agency, so I want to ask you a little bit about that. Um, personally, when when I made the choice to pursue advertising, both in terms of you know education and career, I did a lot of research and I became aware of the low numbers of diversity within the industry. More specifically, people that look like me. Mm. Um, you know, those numbers are terrifying. They're terrible. You know, they're they're terrifying. It's an embarrassment. Yeah. Um, you know, not just for the industry, but just for you know personally, it, you kind of feel like you're not wanted or um, you're excluded and unfortunately like when when I personally go into different agencies and do these interviews and like I pay attention to what it looks like what's the culture here yeah um, so I'm just asking like what what would you say to a potential employee or someone who's trying to figure out if they want to come into the industry who is African-American mm-hmm, for example mm-hmm. um, now what would you tell them about this this experience and this journey and you know what what advice would you First of all, I would acknowledge to them that the advertising industry doesn't look the way it should, and that as an industry, we run the risk of becoming irrelevant if we don't evolve, if we don't become more diverse and inclusive, because the customers we're talking to on behalf of our clients are very diverse. They come from all walks of life. They have all kinds of backgrounds, whether that's ethnic, racial, you name it, what part of the country they live they live in or they come from and if we don't represent that as well we can't speak to them in an authentic and meaningful way so if someone were to approach me and ask is there an opportunity a future in advertising for me I would say absolutely 
Absolutely. Come and help us be what we need to become. Um, it is hard to join an industry where you feel like no one at the top looks like you. Um, I'm very aware of that. Um, but there are people who want to change that and who are working very hard to do that. And there are people who don't look like you who will still be your advocates, who will still fight on your behalf and mentor and support you. Um, so find them. Find those people who want to see you be successful, um, even if maybe they don't look the way you think they, they might. Um, we will figure this out mm -hmm. as an industry. It's taking us longer than it should, um, but we will crack it, and, and we're going to need all those strong, fresh voices there. Yeah. Okay, so in, in terms of, like, recruiting for, you know, multicultural or diversity, um, yeah. how, as an agency, do we recruit? Mm. Um, in terms of, like, how do you choose a school to recruit from or, you know, what type of people do you search for on LinkedIn? Um, like, what, what ways are you trying to reach this demographic? Great question. So in terms of the schools we, we recruit at, um, diversity is, is part of the objective. So we are looking for schools that have a more diverse student body. Um, anytime we travel to a school to recruit, um, if they aren't as diverse as we like, we will also recruit at another school that does have a, a more diverse portfolio. Um, we're also very connected to programs that the industry has created around bringing um, a more diverse perspective to advertising. Um, so things like the American Advertising um, Federation does Faces of Talent. Um, there's mo the Mosaic Career Fair, which is another industry event all designed to bring different points of view into, into the industry. Um, in terms of sort of how we maybe vet the candidates that we meet, um, our recruiters here have always, long before I came, but it's something I require as well, have always presented a diverse candidate slate, meaning we're not going to have all men, <laughs> we're not going to have all white people. Um, every manager in the building needs to consider a, a broad spectrum of candidates. Um, so that, I think, helps. Um, there's still more we can do. Um, and outreach is something I'm really excited about. I'm in the process of putting together a program here that I'm affectionately, informally, calling RPA Ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And my objective is to get people from all levels with all different perspectives, all different backgrounds, um, out on the road talking about advertising. Um, and RPA, um, but going to high schools, um, going to clubs, going to, um, you know, um, affinity groups within uh, universities and talking about all of the opportunities that are available here. Um, at one of my last agencies, we did a program with high school kids, and some of them just had no idea of the, the, the breadth of opportunities. So they thought, Working in an advertising agency meant you were either an art director or a copywriter. They didn't know that we have people who work here who are car experts, who manage that aspect of our toy of our Honda offering. We had Toyota at my last agency. Um, they don't know that there are people here who crunch numbers all day um, and who really drive an incredible amount of, of the business that we do as a result. Um, so there's something for everyone in this industry, and I think... There's so many ways to get that word out, so that's what I'm hoping our, our outreach program will do. Okay. Just to speak on, on terms of diversity, just, um, you know, not necessarily um, racial, but one thing that I notice here is RPA does a great job of um, having uh, 
women in positions of power. Yeah. And that's something that I, I really admire. Was that like an initiative that you were like, okay, things need to be restructured or has it always been that way? You know, we've always been, in, um, we've always had great leaders who understood how many great ideas there were from different points of view. So um, long before I came here, we had women in very senior positions and I've only seen that trend continue. Um, We just have a ton of really smart people here. Um, Some of them happen to be men. A lot of them are women. Um, I love that about this place. Um, Mark my words, someday, hopefully soon, we will have a woman in the top spot. Um, There are so many great agencies led by strong women, and um, it is really gratifying to see that start to shift. Um, also, I, I saw on your resume that, or your LinkedIn, so yeah. <laughs> that you had a history with Think LA. I do. Yeah, and I'm actually, I joined Think LA as a student, and I went to, I go to their student events, or their intern events. Um, can you just speak a little bit about why it's good to be a part of these, you know, extracurricular activities and groups? Yeah, yeah, I'm so glad that you discovered Think LA and that you're, you're a part of them. Um, it's really important. It's a great way to build your network. It's a great way to find out what's going on in the industry. Um, Here in L.A., we're very fortunate to have Think L.A. as a common ground where all of us as as agency leaders can come together. Um, I was fortunate enough to be asked by their executive director um, to be the founding um, chairman of their diversity committee three years ago. Um, And that's another opportunity for people to get involved. Um, I'm still a member of the committee. I stepped down as chair last year. Um, But we do a ton of great events, um, diversity-related, some of them um, just sort of interest-related. It's a great way to meet people. Um, It's just a really important place to sort of ground your career beyond the agency that you might be working at. Okay. So to the person that just graduated and they're going through their list of companies they want to apply for, why should RPA be on that list? Ah, RPA should be on that list because we offer, um, we're a full-service agency, so we offer a number of disciplines um, that might speak to your interests or your passions. Uh, We're also an independent agency, which gives us the ability to make changes and evolve our offering um, depending on what our clients need and what the market demands. Um, And we are a place that, more than any other place that I've worked in my career, um, truly does care about the population. Um, We, regardless of whether we always get it right and nobody's perfect, we are always putting our best intention forward to do what is best for the employees. Um, Holding company agencies are great. I've worked in many of them. But the challenge that they often have is a requirement to meet the shareholder uh, demands not uh, not so much the client and the the employee. They have to put the shareholder first because that's how they're profitable. Um, we answer to a different master that way, and to me, that is what allows this place to be more collaborative and more caring and more supportive of the population. Okay, uh, what do you think? Like, what are some some really good like? benefits that you think you guys offer that a lot of companies don't. For example, I've, I've spoke to someone in, that was interested in getting into creative, and mm. so they go to the bookshop now, and RPA, I think, assisted them in going to the bookshop. Yeah. Like, so what type of programs do you guys 
offer that people like might want to know about? Yeah, so I, you're probably referring to someone who participated in Bookshop through our tuition reimbursement program, where we pay for a portion of your uh, enrollment fees, things like that. We also sponsor a lot of training here, so we'll bring trainers in to speak to our employees. Um, we also send people to off-site trainings or conferences. Um, I'm really proud of a program we're building out now where we're bringing in speakers as well. So um, it might be a speaker on a particular topic or a particular area of interest, and any employee's free to join. Um, so I think those are some things that are very unique about our offering. Um, any any good agency or company that you join should have the basic benefits, the medical, the dental, the 401k. Make sure you're getting those, and then make sure that the rest of the offering works for you. Um, we're about to start a Tough Mudder club here. We have a, um, someone who's really passionate about that. For some people, that'd be great. For other people, they don't care so much about that. Yeah. So so make sure that, that culturally the place that you're applying is a place that that interests you and that appeals to the things that you like to do too. Yeah. Not to mention you're in we're in Santa Monica. Yes. I know we're very lucky. That alone. That alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Any advice for um, recent graduates uh, looking for employment? Yeah. Um lots actually. And um I'm gonna offer to your listeners to if anyone wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn and talk more about anything I've I've mentioned today, I I would welcome that. Um Please be patient in your job search. It will always take longer than you'd like it to, um, but that doesn't mean you're going down the wrong path. Um, it, it sometimes just takes a while. Um, work your network. <laughs> make those connections. Um, you will never regret that. Um, sometimes a connection can end up bearing fruit in a way that you wouldn't have expected. Um, if you're looking for a place to start your network, start with me. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know if there's someone else you're trying to get to because chances are either maybe I know them or I know someone who knows them and I can help you get in touch. But, um, yeah, just keep at it. This is an industry worth worth being a part of. Okay, definitely. Okay, well, Laura, thank you so much again. Oh, my pleasure. It was really great. I enjoyed it. Anytime. All right, thank you. What's up, everybody? Before we go, if you want to hear and learn more about the ad industry, make sure you check out our other episodes in the podcast. If you're interested in being a guest, you can email academicspodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to like, leave a review, post it on any and all social channels. You can find us on LinkedIn and Instagram at academics, or you can find me personally at Justin D. Barnett. I'm Justin D. Barnett, and you've been listening to the Academics Podcast.